Thanks so much for joining us today. Our hope and prayer is that God will use this message powerfully in your life and that it'll bring you closer to him. If you'd like more information about our church or if you'd like to hear more messages, you can visit vibechurch.com or download our app. Now get ready to receive a word from the Lord. Good morning again, right? We are so glad that you chose to worship with us this morning at Vive Church. And uh, we're in week two of our All In series. And I'm excited about today's message. We're going to do some crazy stuff, all right? Who likes to burn things? We got any 12-year-old boys in here that like to burn? No. Actually, I'm 50, 49, and I like to burn stuff. All right, but anyway, so we, when you came in, there was a piece of paper on your seat. And so during the message, just kind of find that thing, because during the message, I'm going to have you do something with that piece of paper. But uh, So we're in week two of the message series all in. Last week, the message was, uh, I'm all in and I'm all out for the all in all. That was the bottom line. And, and so we talked about a passage of scripture in Joshua chapter 3. Verse 5, and it says, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. And so God had spoken to Joshua. The children of Israel had wandered around in the desert for 40 years after leaving Egypt. They missed a moment because they gave in to fear instead of pursuing faith. And in that missing of that moment, they spent 40 years wandering around. Well, now those 40 years were over, and God said to the children of Israel, through the leadership of Joshua, he said, I want you to get the people together, and I want you to consecrate them, all right? Now, consecration is not a word that we probably use daily, right? Probably didn't use it this week, and we don't even use it that often in the church anymore, but it is a biblical term. And so it's hard to understand sometimes these biblical terms. So I like to break it down a little bit. And if you've ever played poker before, um, it's like this. It's, it's like when you're playing poker, you put all the chips in the middle. So you're all in, right? I mean, like, it's it. You have no more. You're not hedging your bets. You're not keeping a few chips for the second hand. It's all in. It's sink or swim. It's all or nothing. You're going all in. That's the best way to describe consecration. And so God told the children of Israel, I want you to consecrate yourselves. I want you to, to go all in. And that's hard for us. It's hard. It was hard for them. It's hard for us because we like to hedge our bets. We like to be in control. We like to, to make sure we, we save a little bit just in case what we're doing doesn't work out. Right. And so this morning we're going to, we're going to kind of continue that thought. And, um, I just want to, I want to ask a question. When did the church become a noun? Probably about the same time Christianity became a noun. You're like, uh, isn't the church a noun? No, no, the church is not a noun. The church is a verb, right? The church is a verb. I think, I think when the church is a noun, the church is a turnoff. And that's the problem with, with our, our world today is that a lot of churches are nouns and, and it's a lot of turn off to people. But the church is a verb. The church is about moving. It's about being active. It's about doing something. Following Christ means action. It means decision. Your, your destiny is, is not a mystery, but it's a decision, Right? It's a decision, and I believe that you and I are one decision away from a totally different life. One decision away from a total 
different life. Think about that. How one decision could change everything in your life. I look back at my life, and last week we talked about the difference between minutes and moments, how we arrange our life according to minutes. But it's those moments that define our life, right? And when I look back at my life, I don't really think of the minutes. I don't, you know, I don't have all those little details, but I remember vividly the moments. And you do too. You remember those moments in your life when you made a decision and it changed everything. Where you are right now is based on that decision and that moment. Maybe you missed some moments. And maybe you're there where you're at now because you missed some moments. But the great thing about Jesus is there's do-overs, right? That's the great thing about grace. And so if that's your situation and that's where you're at, today's a do-over. You get to do it over. But we're one decision away from a totally different life. Any history buffs here this morning? Like history? I, I, love, I love history. I didn't like history when I was in school. Didn't do real well because I don't, I don't, I'm not good on uh, remembering names of people and dates, you know, all the little details. I'm not a real detail person, but I love the stories of history. I love the overall themes of history. One of my favorite things is Civil War history, and I love the movie. I I'm, I'm, might be a little nerdy of me, but I love the movie Gettysburg, which basically talks about the Battle of Gettysburg during the Civil War. And... Um, there's one scene in the movie that is like, it's just great. You know, I mean, there's a, a scene where Joshua Chamberlain, he is the colonel of the 20th Maine Volunteer Infantry Regiment. That's a, that's a uh, mouthful uh, in the Union Army. And so the, he, is, he is given the responsibility of protecting what's called Little Round Top. It's it's not even a mountain. It's kind of like a mound, but it's, but it's a strategic position for the Union forces because the Confederate forces were coming and they were trying to cut off the Union forces and, and trying to draw a line basically right through. And, then, and if they could have done it, if they were able to do it, the outcome of the war, of the Civil War, would have been totally different. And so Joshua Chamberlain Young guy, about 30, in his 30s, he was slated with the responsibility of holding this high ground and this strategic position. And so Joshua Chamberlain had 300 men that he was responsible for. And as the battle started early in the morning, and as the Confederate forces started to advance up the mountain. They were hidden behind rocks. They, were, they had the high ground, and they were just unloading every, every shot they could, and, and they were holding them back, and they were holding them back, and then Joshua Chamberlain's men went from 300 to 80. And as they did some inventory, they realized they're all down to one shot. So here he is, he's trying to hold this strategic position that if the Confederate forces break through, it's over. They win the battle. And so in a split decision, in a moment, Joshua Chamberlain decides to order a charge. So the men put their bayonets on, and with one shot left, they run down the mountain and they were able to hold back the Confederate army. 
It was, it was the decisive moment. Historians agree, the decisive moment in the Battle of Gettysburg. One decision away from a totally different life. One decision away. When, when we have those moments and God brings us into those moments, what, are, what do we do? What do we do? I don't know if you've ever felt like you got one shot left, but I've been there many times. And maybe you're there this morning. You feel like, man, I have been, I have been fighting this battle. I have been doing this thing. And I, I've got like one shot. And some of you may feel like I don't even have a shot. All I got is a bayonet or maybe a rock. You know, I don't have much left in me. But I've learned this. This is true, that if we do the little things like they are big things, God will do the big things like they're little things. If we will be faithful. 2,000 years ago, Jesus gave a command to charge and he never sounded the retreat. See, going all in means that we are unwilling to give up. No matter how many times you get knocked down, you get back up. We ain't gonna believe this. Well, you used to fit right here. I'd hold you up and say to your mother, this kid's gonna be the best kid in the world. This kid's gonna be somebody better than anybody ever knew. And you grew up good and wonderful. It was great just watching every day. It was like a privilege. Then the time come for you to be your own man and take on the world, and you did. But somewhere along the line, you changed. You stopped being you. You let people stick a finger in your face and tell you you're no good. And when things got hard, you started looking for something to blame, like a big shadow. Let me tell you something you already know. The world ain't all sunshine and rainbows. It's a very mean and nasty place, and I don't care how tough you are, it will beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently if you let it. You, me, or nobody is going to hit as hard as life. But it ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. Now, if you know what you're worth, now go out and get what you're worth. But you got to be willing to take the hits and not pointing fingers saying you ain't where you want to be because of him or her or anybody. Cowards do that and that ain't you. You're better than that. There are moments in our life when we're tempted to give up, right? There's moments when, when we're tempted to, to just retreat. We give up on goals. We give up on dreams. Maybe you're tempted this morning to give up on your marriage. Maybe you're tempted to throw in the towel when it comes to your family or a job or school. I don't know what it is that you're facing, I, I re- but I know that the temptation is very real. And there are times when we feel like there's no reinforcements. There's nobody else coming. This is all there is. And we're down to one shot or no shots. We're out of ammunition. And in those moments, we need to charge whatever it is that we're facing. And maybe this morning you need to charge your marriage. You need to charge your children. You need to charge the situation that you're facing. Just quit making excuses. 
Quit making excuses. Look for opportunities to charge things in your life. We've got a lot of excuses, don't we? It's everybody else's fault. But we need to do some charging. We need to charge our finances. If you're in debt, charge your finances. Don't charge the product. So new cards. Char- take control of it. Get out of debt. Take control. Charge your health. Charge your addiction. Whatever it is that's holding you back. Charge your goals, your hopes, your dreams. And you know what? We need to charge Jesus. We need to go after Jesus with all of our hearts. This isn't a halfway thing. This isn't a casual thing. We're talking about going all in. We're talking about being consecrated. We're talking about all the chips in the center of the table. Don't hedge your bets. Go after Jesus with all of your heart. There's a great passage or a great story in, in First Kings. Let me give you a little of the backstory. Um, Elijah, Elijah is a prophet, P-R-O-P-H-E-T, not P-R-O-F-I-T. So he's a prophet. He's, a, he's basically a spokesman for God. He's one of those people that you probably wouldn't invite to your party. He's, he's not a real popular guy. He's just going to tell you how it is. You got friends like that, right? I got friends like that. It's like there's, there's no black or white. It's all, or, I'm sorry, there's no gray. It's all black or white. It's very clear. It's like, it, you know, and, and they just tell you, that's not right. You shouldn't do that. I'm like, okay, you know. And so Elijah is a prophet and he speaks for God and God, God gives him instructions and he communicates to the nation of Israel. And see, the nation of Israel had a habit of, of committing spiritual adultery. Their heart would wander all the time towards foreign gods. They would give in to those things and they'd want to be like the other nations. And they'd, they, so they would wander and their faith and their trust would go towards pagan gods and away from the Lord. This was a common occurrence, back and forth, back and forth. There's nothing new under the sun, right? You, and so here, here they're, they're wandering from the Lord again and Elijah just speaks the word of God to them. And they come back, you know, it's just this back and forth thing. And, and so this is Elijah, he's a prophet. And then at, at one point in Elijah's life, he saw huge miracles happen. If you read through First uh, Kings chapter 18, you read the story of him, how he faced down these prophets of Baal and, and on Mount, Car- Mount Carmel and, and how God brought fire out of heaven. It's just a really cool story. You need to read it. But he, it was just, wow, one of those amazing moments and then right after that happened you would think he'd be like walking like like a few inches off the ground just like man I'm just this experience with God and right after that experience Jezebel threatened his life and he got scared and he ran and so he's hiding out and he's actually depressed doesn't want to live anymore. God takes care of him, refreshes him, and then God gives him instruction in, in chapter 19. I want you to go do three things. I want you to anoint a new king of Israel, a new king of Jerusalem, and a new uh, prophet. And so he goes to anoint a new prophet. And so he goes to a town called, I can't remember the name. It's too hard to re- it's um, 
Hang in there. It basically means meadow of dancing. I can't remember. I got it written down. Goodness. I'm going to find it. We're going to like, okay. There it is. All right. Abel Mahula. All right. That's just a mouthful. That's why I can't remember it. Abel Mahula, which means meadow of dancing. All right. And so Elijah lives in this place that's called meadow of dancing. And so Elijah goes, and the story goes like this, that that when he sees Elijah, so Elijah and Elisha, he takes his cloak and he throws it over the shoulder of Elijah. And he anoints him to be a prophet, to follow Elijah for the rest of his life, which would not be much longer, but, but to anoint him as a prophet. So let me read a passage of scripture. It's in chapter 19, verse 21. Here's what happens. So Elisha left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and he gave it to the people and they ate it. Then he set out to follow Elijah and became his attendant. So real quick, what happened? Goes back. Burns the, or kills the cattle or oxen. Burns the plows, barbecues them, feeds people. And then he follows Elijah. Some of you may have heard of uh, Hernan Cortez, famous, very famous Spanish conquistador. And on April or excuse me, February 19th, 1519, Hernan Cortez set sail for Mexico. He had 11 ships, 13 horses, 110 sailors, and 553 soldiers. And he set sail for Mexico to conquer this place. When he arrived, he uh, he took some time... story goes that he he spent some time in the Yucatan Peninsula area on the coast to get to know the people, to understand the culture, to understand what was going on there. And then once he spent some time and got to to know what was happening, uh, he he identified that there was some political unrest and some things that there was a group of people that were not happy with the Aztecs. And so then he sailed to another part of Mexico along with some of those people who were not happy with the Aztecs, and he set out to conquer the Aztecs. But in order to conquer the Aztecs, it was going to require them to go into the interior of Mexico. And so when he announced that to his soldiers, all 553, they started to murmur and complain and there was even talk about uh, mutiny and, and so... Hernan Cortez did something that was crazy, and we've probably heard of it. We refer to it all the time. He ordered that the ships, all 11 of them, be burned. He burned the ships, which sealed the deal, closed the door to any chance of the soldiers going back. They were all in. 
It was sink or swim. It was all or nothing. And so they went into the interior. You know, nine times out of ten, people are living in plan B instead of plan A. Because they didn't burn the ships. Plan A people don't have a plan B. Plan A people don't have a plan B. It's plan A or nothing. It's all or nothing. Before you and I set out and sail out to our future, we need to burn some of the ships of our past. If you remember nothing else, remember this. Before I sail into my future, I need to burn the ships of my past. See, we've, we have learned how to hedge our bets. We've learned how to hold back just a little bit and just hold on to some things just in case. Just in case it doesn't work out. And when it comes to going all in, when it comes to consecrating ourselves and following after the Lord, there's plan A and that's it. But do we live our lives that way? I know it sounds crazy, but listen, we're one decision away from a total different life. One decision away. I think we need to learn to eliminate the possibilities of sailing back into the old world that we left behind. We need to burn the ships named past failures and past successes because they both hold us back, right? We like the way something happened and it worked and we want it to work that way again, right? Or we didn't like the way that worked. We got hurt by this and we're going to hold on to that and we're never going to let that happen to us again, right? We're going to remember. We got to let go of the past. We got to let go of the things that, that are failures and those that are successes. A little over four, well, right about four years ago, we, uh, we set out to start a church in Orangeburg. Some of you know, you remember. And I've talked about it before. It was, it was a failure on my part. At least it felt like a failure. It was hard as a pastor to watch something that you believe God's called you to and you invest so much energy and so much resource into and then all of a sudden it not happen. Listen, I understand. And not all my failures have to do with church stuff, you know. But I understand. Sometimes things happen in our life and if we're not careful, it can hold us back. Those past failures can be like anchors that just drag us down. And I remember walking through that and just being honest with you. I went through a time where I just, I felt depressed. I wanted to be out of the ministry. I, I, I just, I wanted to quit. And I'm not talking just about, a, I mean, I'm just, I'm trying to figure out how can I quit this thing? How can I get away? How can I stop? How, you know, I'm, I'm planning this out. And I felt like the Lord said, what are you doing? I'm trying to quit. That's not a conversation you have with the Lord that, that you actually get your way, right? Obviously, I didn't quit. But I felt like a failure. And those failures, though, can hold us back. 
And I remember feeling fearful, like, I know what God put in my heart as a pastor. I know what he wants to see happen, not only uh, in Columbia, but in other places. I know that God wants us to plant churches. He wants us to be involved in that. But that dream suffered a big blow. And it was hard. And when it comes to, to a dream and the, the spiritual aspect of that, I, I, I just felt like I don't know if I can dream again in that area of my life. And so I would say it with my mouth, but in my heart I was like, Ugh, I don't want to experience that pain again. And it was about a year later, maybe not even a whole year, I remember when the Lord restored to me that dream and the healing. You know what had, had to happen, though, is I had to let go of the past failure. Amen. The fear of, like, what would people think? And, uh, you know, all that stuff that we hold on to. I had to let go of it. Amen. You see, if we hold on to those things, whether it's a success or a failure, they hold us back. It becomes a plan B. We got to burn some things. We got to burn some ships. We got to burn past failures. We got to burn past success. We've got to burn that ship named habit. Bad habit, sorry. Not just habit, but bad habit. We've got to burn the ship called regret. We got to burn the ship called guilt. Man, how guilt holds us back. Guilt and shame. We've got to burn the ship called addiction. We've got to burn the ship called old way of life. The things that are holding us back. And that is exactly what Elisha did in this story that we just read in 1 Kings 19. It's exactly what he did. He turned his plowing equipment into kindling and he barbecued the oxen. He burned it. He said goodbye to the old life by throwing a party for his friends. See, Elisha was a farmer. And he was from the valley of dancing, or meadow of dancing. He was, he was from a place that was known as the breadbasket of the Jordan River Valley. And he, he had 12 yoke of oxen, the story says, and and he had the men, he had the, the employees to operate those 12 yoke of oxen. It's like 12 tractors, you know? We usually don't do oaks or oxen and, and, and things nowadays, but it's like having 12 tractors to harvest and plant. And he was a, he was a very affluent farmer. His family was very wealthy. And so when Elijah came and threw his cloak over top of him, over his shoulder, God was saying to Elisha, I have something bigger and better than this for you. See, sometimes it's hard for us, right? Because we're in a situation where we feel like, man, God is, is blessing me. And, and this is great. This is what it means to be a Christian, right? And, and everything's going my way. And, and all of a sudden, God sends somebody into our life. And they just throw a cloak over us. And, and they speak a word into our life. And all of a sudden, 
things change because you realize God has more for us than what we're experiencing right now. You're like, how, how could that be? How could God have more for us? But he does. See, burning the plowing equipment was Elisha's way of burning the ships. It was the end of Elisha the farmer and it was the beginning of Elisha the prophet. Amen. I think it's, it's interesting when you look at it, but Elisha literally cooked his old way of living. He barbecued it and then ate it for dinner. And then he got rid of it. That's his old way of life. He, he took care of it. He, he burned it. He got it out of his system. And I think we need to learn from that. There's some things in our lives that we need to burn. We've got to let go of because they're holding us back. That piece of paper that you have in your hand or somewhere near you, grab a pen. Here's what I want you to do. Because I believe there's something that's holding you back. As I was preparing this message, I did my own soul searching and I'm like, Lord, what is it that's holding me back? What are the things that are keeping me? What are the ships that I've been sailing in that need to be burnt? That's a, that's a tough question. What's even tougher is when God starts answering you. If you're bold enough to listen, you say, hmm, okay. What is it that needs to, to burn? What ship needs to burn? It doesn't matter if you're trying to lose weight. It doesn't matter if you're trying to get out of debt. It doesn't matter if you're trying to finish school. If maybe you're thinking about starting a business. That first step is always the hardest. It's always the longest. But you can't just take a step forward into the future. You also have to eliminate the possibility of moving back into the past. I did some stupid things when I was younger. I'll share one of my stupid things. I was 16, just got saved, started following Jesus, and I was dating Robin, and, and uh, Robin's parents were pretty strict, and so we, we could only see each other one weekend night out of the week. It was either Friday or Saturday, and then we could see each other at church. And, uh, and just, just a word of, uh, for, for those of you who are parents and you got kids that are dating, um, we were able to date for four and a half years and not have sex before marriage, and so that was a good thing. It's good to b- draw some boundaries around your kids if they can't draw them themselves. And we don't typically draw them ourselves. So anyway, so I couldn't see her very, very often. And, and so um, when I would leave Robin, um, I would go visit my ex-girlfriend. I'm just, uh, don't shoot me yet. And, and, uh, and so I didn't think it was a big deal. I really didn't. Guys are kind of thick. We're just like, oh, what? Uh, and so... Um, there was honestly nothing, nothing. I had become very good friends with her parents and her brothers and sisters. And so, you know, I'd go hang out because I had to leave. I, I'm, I'm 16 years old and I have no rules at my house. So I was just all night, you know, whatever. And so I'd go hang out at their house. Well, after a little while, Robin would say, I really don't want you to go over to Kim's. Like, why? Because, you know, like, okay, I finally got it, Right. Finally got it, because she told me. <laughs> yeah, nothing's changed. We need to burn 
some ships. We need to let go of some things. Some things that hold us back. And I don't know what it is that's holding you back. I don't know what your plan B is. I don't know what you keep going back to. But you do. And if you'll ask the Lord, he will show you. You can keep playing this game back and forth like the children of Israel did. Hot, cold, hot, cold. Or you can say, you know what? I'm going all in. Whitney said it great. I'm going all in. But you can't just step forward into the future. You got to burn some things. You got you to take care of some things that are going to hold you back. Before I sail into my future, I need to burn the ships of my past. I got to let go of some things. That's how we go after our goals. That's how we break addictions. That's how we reconcile relationships, bring healing in families. You leave the past in the past by burning the ships. Would you stand with me? We're going to do something in just a moment. You've had some time to write down some of those ships or a ship, something that needs to be burned. And what I want to do in just a moment, at the end of the service, after I pray, I want to invite you to come forward. And we've got pails with water. There's water in them. And we have lighters. You say, well, you know, do I have to do that? Can I just do it in my seat? Is it just, is it something I've got to do? I'm telling you, there's something powerful that happens when you and I respond. When we take a step of faith, I I don't know how to explain, but something happens when we take a step in the natural, something happens in the supernatural. And I believe some of you this morning, maybe if not all of us need to take a step this morning. We need to burn some ships. There are some things that have been carrying us along in life. Some of you have been sailing in the ship of anger and resentment and bitterness. And you've gotten a lot accomplished. You've sailed quite a distance. You can get a lot accomplished when you're angry, can't you? Yeah? Anger's a great motivator to get stuff done. It's not a good motivator. It's a bad motive. It leaves us empty and dry. But some of you have been sailing in that ship. It's time to let it go. It's time to forgive. Some of you have been sailing in the ship of fear. the crazy thing is we get comfortable with this stuff because we build our lives around it it's our go-to it's our excuse I think one of our fundamental spiritual problems is this that we want God to do something new while we keep doing the same old thing and we struggle with that don't we We want God to change our circumstances without us having to change at all. I think change is really like a two-sided coin. It's out with the old is one side and then in with the new is the other side. We've got to let go of some things. If we're going to sail 
into our future, if we're going to possess what God wants us to possess, if we're going to be what God wants us to be, then we've got to learn to eliminate the possibility of going back. It's too easy for us to go back. It's too comfortable of a life. It's what we know. It's what we've built everything around. You only make a few defining decisions in your life. What decision will you make that will define your life? What is it that you're going to let go of? What is it that you're willing to let go of? What is it that you're willing to burn in order to move forward? Some of you are going to make a mistake this morning. You're going to think, this is a message that is to be heard. It's not a message to be heard. It's a decision to be made. Today is about decision. Today, we as the church are going to be a verb. We're going to do something. We're going to let go of something. Would you bow with me with prayer? Father, God, we open our hearts to you and we ask, Lord, that you would, you would just you would have your way. Holy Spirit, you just pinpoint that thing or those things? Would you pinpoint the ship in our life that needs to burn? Would you pinpoint that stuff that we need to let go of? That can easily be our plan B, it can be our go-to, it can be, we'll just go back to that. Would you give courage this morning? Would you give strength this morning? to let go, to make that defining decision, to be willing to to burn the past, to burn the ship of the past. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Sarah's going to lead us in worship in just a moment. I know there's a lot of people here this morning, but we got lots of time. I want to encourage you to take that step, to get out of your seat, to take what it is you wrote down and to bring it forward. Those lighters, take it and burn it. Give it to the Lord. And as you're burning it, say, God, here it is. This is my ship. I'm burning it. I'm not going back. I'm not going back. I believe God's going to do something powerful in our lives this morning. Can we do that? Can you just begin to to come on up, begin to release those things? Let's worship the Lord together. Thanks again for joining us today. We're hoping that this message brought you to life. If you have any prayer requests or if you'd like to connect with our church family, you can email us at info at vibechurch.com or you can fill out the contact card section in our app. We're looking forward to hearing about all the ways that God is moving in your life. And until next time, go bring somebody to life.